Thanks to the wonderful folks at Anchor.fm. Welcome, listeners, to Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zania as he reads from social media, news articles, his past audiobook recordings, and other spoken word projects, including those great writing projects that you send in. And now, here's your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And as always, thank you very much, Mr. Announcer, for that lovely introduction. Welcome, everyone, all you listeners, audiobook listeners, actors, and writers. We are celebrating the spoken word, and this is Tom Reads Your Story. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. Today, we are foreseeing another 9-11 anniversary, a time of of remembrance, uh, reading of the names, a sad time, certainly. But there is one person that changed all that, and his name was Philippe Petit. I'll be right back after this. The afterlife is not at all what Jack Duffy had expected. A failed suicide attempt launches him into a world that tests his abilities. In this world, he learns more about himself after a lifetime of horrific decisions. The Borrowed Soul, written by Paul B. Kohler and narrated by Tom Zania. Listen to this incredible book by visiting audible.com. Actually, this was my answer to my first interview after walking the Twin Towers. And up here at 1,500 feet or in that area, there is somebody out there in a tightrope walk between the two towers of the World Trade Center, right at the tippy top. So I was handcuffed and I was going to jail and in front of the judge, but then the, the press sneak in and they said, so why did you do that? Why did you do this? And I was shocked by that question, why? I, I never thought why I did it because I am a war walker and I fell in love with two towers. There is no why. It's just uh, because uh, um, when, when I see a beautiful place to put my why, I cannot resist. I wanted to do something inspiring and poetic and memorable. So why, why? So my English was very bad at the time. So I came up with this one-liner. Why? Well, because when I see three oranges, I juggle. And when I see two towers, I walk. And we are back. I think most of us know who Philippe Petit is by now. They have made uh, several movies. He is has written many books, uh, one of which I will be reading from at the end of the podcast. And we know that as a child in France, he was into juggling and horseback riding, and he started walking the high wire at 16 years old. He didn't like doing much of anything else, and mostly uh, once he went to the dentist one day uh, to have some work done on his teeth, he found out about the World Trade Center. 
uh, pictured in magazines in the dentist office. He then had an epiphany that he was going to walk between the Twin Towers uh, on a high wire. And the rest of his life, up until that happened in August of 1974, was all of the planning that went into this thing he called the coup, uh, which, of course, was highly illegal. And we know now that he made it, and uh, he took the, the Twin Towers and made them into something that people could identify with. The Twin Towers, when they opened in 71, were a huge, huge flop. Nobody wanted to rent space there. Uh, It was bashed by the critics for being too big, uh, for not being uh, visually pleasing to the eye. And Petit did his wire walk in August of 1974, and everything sort of changed after that. Petit was lauded around the world for what he did. And, of course, the rest is history now. There were several movies, many books. And he is the artist-in-residence at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York. One of the books that came out uh, is a children's book called The Man Who Walked Between the Towers. It's by Mordecai Gerstein. And here, I'm going to play for you now first, is some information about him, Mordecai Gerstein, a children's book writer. And immediately after that, We'll go right into that story, The Man Who Walked Between the Towers. Mordecai Gerstein was an American artist, writer, and film director, best known for illustrating and writing children's books. He illustrated the comic mystery fiction series, Something Queer is Going On. Gerstein was born in Los Angeles, California. He illustrated the Something Queer is Going On series, written by Elizabeth Levy, from 1973 to 2003. He won the 2004 Caldecott Medal for U.S. Picture Book Illustration, recognizing The Man Who Walked Between the Towers, Roaring Book Press, 2003, which he also wrote. Created in response to the September 11th attacks, it features the story of Philippe Petit's unauthorized high-wire walk between the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center on August 7, 1974. Gerstein directed four holiday specials for NBC TV in the late 1970s, based on the Berenstain Bears book series, the most notable being The Berenstain Bears Christmas Tree, which premiered on December 3, 1979. Gerstein lived in West Hampton, Massachusetts. The Man Who Walked Between the Towers by Mordecai Gerstein To Philippe Petit for the gifts of his courage, his impeccable art, and his mythic sense of mischief. Once, there were two towers side by side. They were each a quarter of a mile high, 1,340 feet, the tallest buildings in New York City. A young man saw them rise into the sky. He was a street performer. He rode a unicycle. 
He juggled balls and fiery torches. But most of all, he loved to walk and dance on a rope he tied between two trees. He looked not at the towers, but at the space between them and thought, what a wonderful place to stretch a rope, a wire on which to walk. Once the idea came to him, he knew he had to do it. If he saw three balls, he had to juggle. If he saw two towers, he had to walk. That's how he was. Hadn't he danced on a wire between the steeples of Notre Dame Cathedral, above his amazed home city, Paris? Why not here, between these towers? Of course he knew that, as in Paris, the police and the owners of the towers would never allow it. You must be crazy, they would say. You'd fall for sure. And so Philippe, that was the young man's name, began a plan to do it secretly. The buildings are not quite finished, he thought. Maybe if I dressed as a construction worker. Early on an August evening, he and a friend entered the South Tower. They got a 440-pound reel of cable and other equipment into the elevator, took it to the unfinished top ten floors, and waited till nightfall when everyone had gone. Then they carried everything up 180 stairs to the roof. At midnight, on the other tower's roof, two more friends tied a thin, strong line to an arrow and shot it across to Philippe, 140 feet away. It missed and landed on a ledge 15 feet below the roof. Bad luck, thought Philippe. He crawled down to the ledge over the sparkling city and got the arrow. To its line, he tied a stronger line, which his friends pulled back to their tower. To his end of the stronger line, Philippe tied the cable on which he would walk. It was five-eighths of an inch thick. His friends pulled the cable over to their tower, but it was so heavy that it slipped from Philippe's grip. The cable's middle plummeted toward the street, pulling the friends on the other tower to the very edge. Philippe, just in time, secured his end. It took three hours to pull the cable back up. Frantically, as the stars faded, they tightened it between the towers. It was past dawn before they were ready. Philippe put on his black shirt and tights. He picked up his 28-foot balancing pole. All his life, he had worked to be here, to do this. As the rising sun lit up the towers, out he stepped onto the wire. Out to the very middle he walked, as if he were walking on the air itself. Many winds whirled up from between the towers, and he swayed with them. He could feel the towers breathing. He was not afraid. He felt alone and happy and absolutely free. A woman coming from the subway might have been the first to see him. Look, someone walking on a wire between the towers. Everyone stopped and looked up. They gasped and stared. It was astonishing. It was terrifying and beautiful. A quarter of a mile up in the sky, 
Someone was dancing. Police saw it too. Officers rushed to the roof of the towers. You're under arrest, they shouted through bullhorns. Philippe turned and walked the other way. Who would come and get him? For almost an hour, back and forth, he walked, danced, ran, and knelt in a salute upon the wire. He even lay down to rest. The city and harbor spread beneath him. The sky surrounded him. Seagulls flew under and over. As long as he stayed on the wire, he was free. When he felt completely satisfied, he walked back to the roof and held out his wrists for the handcuffs. They brought him to court. The judge sentenced him to perform in the park for the children of the city. This he did happily, though during his performance, some boys playing on his wire jerked it, and Philippe fell, but caught himself. Now, the towers are gone, but in memory, as if imprinted on the sky, the towers are still there. And part of that memory is the joyful morning, August 7, 1974, when Philippe Petit walked between them in the air. Oh, I love children's books. I hope you were able to imagine while um, while that was playing the pictures. Uh, you know, it's a children's book, so there are large drawn pictures, uh, beautifully drawn pictures by Mordecai Gerstein uh, for this book. And I, I, I say that usually, you know, I hope you were able to imagine that. Obviously, this is not video, so you got to use your imagination uh, to go along with listening to the words. The next thing we're going to hear is from the book that Petit wrote, and that is To Reach the Clouds. A very good book. Uh, I am only going to play a small section of The Walk itself. It's a long book. There are a lot of chapters. I do recommend you go check it out uh, if you're interested in this sort of thing. This book was the basis for the film Man on Wire. Now, if you want the audiobook for Man on Wire, uh, you need to go to, of course, audible.com, and you will find it there. Uh, I'm not crazy about the narration, but that's obviously me being uh, a little jealous that somebody else <laughs> is doing it, uh, got a chance to do it. And um, But anyway, you can get the audiobook uh, Man on Wire, and, uh, and listen to that. Or you can get Philippe's book that uh, uh, is called To Reach the Clouds. Uh, and here it is. I think you'll like it very much. He is basically saying everything that is going into his mind while beginning the walk. From To Reach the Clouds by Philippe Petit I turn, face the wire, and look down at the balancing pole. 
I dry the sweat on my palms against the sides of my pants. With joy and fear, I whisper to Jean-Francois, Let's do it. Let's go. For him, it is the password to victory. I am not aware that he is waving his helmet in a dance of happiness. I am concentrating on bending down so my fingers can reach the pole. All of a sudden, the density of the air is no longer the same. Jean-Francois ceases to exist. The facing tower is empty. The wheel of the elevator no longer turns. The horizon is suspended from east to west. New York no longer spreads its infinity. The murmur of the city dissolves into a squall whose chill and power I no longer feel. I lift the balancing pole. I jounce it, maneuver it between my fingers to find its center, to accustom my arms to its weight, as I do before each of my performances. I approach the edge. I step over the beam. I place my left foot on the steel rope. The weight of my body rests on my right leg, anchored to the flank of the building. I still belong to the material world. Should I ever so slightly shift the weight of my body to the left, my right leg will be unburdened. My right foot will freely meet the wire. On one side, the mass of a mountain, a life I know. On the other, the universe of the clouds, so full of unknown that it seems empty to us. Too much space. Between the two, a thin line on which my being hesitates to distribute whatever strength it has left. Around me, no thoughts. Too much space. At my feet, a wire. Nothing else. My eyes catch what rises in front of me, the top of the North Tower, sixty meters of wire rope. The path is drawn. It's a straight line, which rolls on itself, which sways, which sags, which vibrates, which is ice, which is three tons tight, ready to explode, to dissolve, to dissolve me, to choke me, to swallow me, to throw me silently across the void, jammed between the towers. The wire waits the unknown, the infinite. The joyous reaper stretches out its arms and hides its face, its arms of thousands, tens of thousands, of tons of concrete, glass, steel, and threat. A gaping mouth 110 stories deep, more than 400 meters tall. An inner howl assails me, the wild longing to flee. But it is too late. The wire is ready. My heart is so forcibly pressed against that wire. Each beat echoes, echoes and casts each approaching thought into the netherworld. Decisively, my other foot sets itself onto the cable. Inundated with astonishment, with sudden and extreme fear, yes, with great joy and pride, I hold myself in balance on the high wire. With ease. A not-yet-recognizable taste seizes my tongue, the longing to soar. I commence my walk, but my body remains motionless. 
is the sphere? The gods in me. Determination, tenacity, now is the moment. The moment is given unto your hands. Hold on to this balancing pole. The moment is given unto your feet. Hold on to that steel cable. Are they telling you, give up? As in a dream. With immense effort I manage to displace myself through space. Is this courage? The gods in the balancing pole keep blowing life into those artificial arms. Bring them. Bring it to life. Keep it heavy, solid. Keep it horizontal. You are no device, no instrument. You are an extension of my arms, of me. Keep breathing. Keep oscillating. You are life, my life. Say I. Carry it. Carry my life across. The wire detaches itself from the tower behind me. Together we undertake our aerial journey, making a hole in the sky watching us. The gods in my feet. They are so knowledgeable, so talented. If they allowed the soles of the feet to land flat on the cable, they would color the walk with inelegance and danger. Instead, they ask the soul, and the soul complies, to land delicately on the steel, toes first, and to slide down an alert soul, not a dormant one, so that the soul feels the cable is not a flat surface, but a curve. And the soul asks its flesh to find as much of that cylindrical cable as possible, to embrace it, to hang on to it. It is a safe embrace. The gods in my feet know how not to hit the cable, how not to make it move when each foot lands. How do they know? They worked that out during their endless days of rehearsals. They know the slightest addition to the vivacious dance of the catenary curve would mean peril for the wire walker. They asked the feet to land on the steel rope in such a way that the impact of each step absorbs the swaying of the cable, its vertical oscillations, and its twisting along the axis of the walk. The feet answer by being gentle and understanding, by conversing with the wire rope, by enticing the huffing and puffing living entity above them to let go of his rage to control. Wirewalker, trust your feet. Let them lead you. They know the way. This is the first crossing. Wire and I together, we voluptuously penetrate the cloudy layer that melts as we approach, as we pass between the twin towers of New York City's World Trade Center. I walk on air that softens under each step. I glide each foot. I cut through the whitest lump of breeze with the knife of my balancing pole. I walk on the wire like a funambulist. The gods in the wire rope. Werner, mad movie director, we have not met at the time of this walk. You have not yet read my treatise on the high wire. It's still to be published, but somehow I hear your comments on my writing, the comments you will share with me a few years from now. You salute the cable I walk on, the cable I transcend, the cable I celebrate. You say, be respectful, be gentle. His soul is soft. Do not hurt him. You tell of wire ropes aching with tension, about to break. You say, their inner threads glow red in anger. And you know what you are talking about, because you pulled a ship over a mountain. My eyes well to the metal of the arrival column, still far away, yet coming toward me. I approach the dreaded middle of the crossing, where gravity is at its most barbaric, exposure at its fiercest, terror tints my blood. 
space no longer contains itself. The sky swallows me. What a handsome death. What a glorious delirium to steal in that way the secrets of weightlessness. The cable feigns. He does not know me. My arms that hold the long pole, the soles of my feet that press the morning vapor, the cable that absorbs the dew, I pass the middle point. Am I going to remember? To whom could I relate? Did I see, or was it only air? Does one escape victorious from a dream forged at such height? The gods of the void of space are howling, chanting, screaming, all at once and in unison. I hear you. The wind passes behind me. I allow myself one breath, one pause. I let my face harbor a smile, the way humans do. I nail the cable down. I force him to tremble no longer. I abandon him there and walk away a few steps, supported by the atmosphere, agulating against the huge wall I'm approaching. The second Cavaletti being astride away, I feel safe to perform my kneeling salute. The balancing pole rests on the right thigh as the right hand takes off in a fluttering of fingers, something pure. Among the crowd, 1,350 feet below, someone shouts, He's saluting! He's saluting! It's Annie. The gods and my friends who are watching from the street below, so far below, each has his or her own. Each kneels, prays. Do gods pray? Be careful. Of course you are. Fragile Philippe, you look so fragile, so strong each with hands up to support me, to implore my success, each with hands down to receive me if I fail. But for the crowd, what I did will remain invisible. Barely will it distinguish a human being up there, strolling upon a thread. I rise to my feet, beg the wire not to betray me, beg the cavaletti plate not to break open as I carefully step over it and continue the crossing, finally free, finally alone. The gods of the towers, breathing, swaying, let me go, let me pass, let me arrive, let me reach you. Time regains its course as I accost the skyscraper that has allowed itself to be conquered. The wind rises, indecisive. Is a hurricane in the making? The distant murmur of an awakening city succeeds in distracting me from the silence I was listening to on the high wire. I set the balancing pole safely aside. The otherworldly colors of the sky rainbow back to a familiar background. I can see Jean-Francois dancing with joy on the South Tower. Jean-Louis is looking at me through the lens of his camera. His accomplice, the American, rushes to me and gives me a strong embrace. He urges me to catch my breath. The gods and my friends who are standing on the rooftops Jean-Louis, from the beginning of this adventure you have been generous, driven, and superbly faithful to the cause. By your relentless intransigence, you have saved the coup more than once. Jean-Francois, you smiled and laughed your way into the artistic crime of the century. You know nothing about the wire, nothing about skyscrapers, nothing about New York City. You don't even speak a word of English besides yes. Yes, you jumped in without hesitation, to improvise your responsibility in the coup. Yes, you will keep protecting me until it's over. And yes, you do not care about the consequences. And you, the unenthusiastic you, I'll hear about it by the end of the day. You, who slowed and almost halted Jean-Louis' race to the roof. You, who refused to help him pull the cable, who exhorted him to give up. You, who gave up. 
you who, despite your promise, brought cameras to the scene, betraying Jean-Louis, betraying me. Without you, false friend, I would not be on that wire. I thank you, all half of you. I disengage myself from the embarrassing hug to go to inspect the cable's anchor point. Everything is fine. Next, I climb down the crown, very carefully, to straighten the Cavaletti's attachments. As I move along the ledge, retightening one Cavaletti after the other, I can't resist the visual dive. I glide in, feel the width of the abyss. I slide down and taste its depth. With delight, I brush by the marble plaza at street level. Then I hurtle back up along the silver facades, onto the dazzling surprise of my sight, landing exactly where it started. I climb back onto the roof, peacefully stretched across the vertiginous absence of terrain. My wire rope magnetically demands me. I sit down on the wire, balancing pole on my lap. Leaning against the street corner, I offer to myself for a throne, the highest tower ever built by man, for a ceremonial carpet, the most savagely gigantic city of the Americas, for my dominion, a tray of seas wetting my forehead, while the folds of my wind-sculpted cape surround me with majestically mortal whirls. I rise, standing up on the wire. The gods of all three, of all five, of all dimensions, of time. You have presented me with an otherworldly offering. I am no longer blind. I am letting myself laugh. There, line evaporating from the maritime crest, line holding up the whiter shade of the pale sky with a fleeting trace of dark blue, line of horizon. You finally appear to me, in curved perfection, while at your side navigate three merchant ships of distant provenance and one suspension bridge. You have graced me with a new set of ears and eyes. I can hear what my spectators in the streets shout and whisper. I can see the traffic made of automobiles with passengers, made of ants scurrying about. Under my influence, the ants are no longer able to escape. They slow to a halt. They look at me as in submission. You have heightened my senses. You have empowered me. I am grateful. Wow. A very interesting book. Uh, I liked it very much. And I hope you very much enjoyed it. And that should do it for this episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please tell your friends and have them tell their friends. Be sure to email me at tomreadyourstory at yahoo.com to send in your book article or poetry for me to read on, on the air, on the podcast, or if you have questions about the show. As always, thanks to Anchor.fm for the chance to have an ongoing podcast. I very much appreciate it. Hope you and your friends come back real soon. Have a great day. Stay safe and take care. For more information on Tom's availability for your e-learning, commercial, audiobook, or video project, visit his website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tom Reads Your Story. <laughs>